podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast. Today is Monday. It is the 14th of August. I hope you're all well. Hope you all had a pleasant weekend. I'm feeling more chipper than I did on Friday, which is nice. Uh, the weather has taken a, a moderate turn for the better. I wouldn't say it's nice weather, but it's it's at least not raining, which is good. Um, had ourselves some shenanigans over the weekend with... The Moises Caicedo saga, uh, which has now been resolved, and Chelsea will pay £115 million for an £80 million player with a bum knee. So congrats to them. Uh, that's great. Uh, I'm not joking, of course. He is, a, he is a phenomenal player, and he will be a great signing for them, assuming fitness. Um, I was unaware he'd torn his ACL when he was 16, which is a little bit of a concern. But Darwin Nunes also 
tore his ACL when he was 16 and Liverpool went ahead and signed him. So Chelsea shouldn't have too many fears. Um, We did have nine Premier League matches over the weekend. First up on Friday, it was Burnley against Manchester City, the reigning champions versus the newly promoted championship champions. And City ran out 3-0 winners. Erling Haaland scored on four minutes, scored again on 36. Lovely finish for that one. And then Rodri from very close range made it three on 75. Anas Zaruri was sent off in the 94th minute for a bit of a lunge on Kyle Walker. I didn't think it was a red card, but couldn't really argue with it too much. City away to a winning start, but there is some negatives to come out of that game for them. And one in particular, the biggest one, is Kevin De Bruyne suffering, suffering a reoccurrence of the injury he suffered in the Champions League final, which likely now will keep him out for a couple of months. I assume they will now double down on their efforts to go and get Lucas Paqueta in the door. And he's a tremendous player, obviously. Now, the fees being discussed are higher than I'd be comfortable paying, even in this inflated market. But he is a very, very good player and would fit well into their team. Um, And having, say, him and Bernardo in those two central attacking midfield roles, I think is a good pairing. Grealish off the left, Foden off the right. But they are also in talks for Jeremy Doku. So maybe him off the right and uh, Foden off the left. We'll see what way it works out. Uh, Interesting for City at the weekend, no Ruben Diaz. I didn't know he was expected to miss the game. Uh, Julian Alvarez played almost as a number 10. City played kind of a 4-2-3-1 that then shape-shifted throughout the game. But no John Stones in the team either, which I was just curious because I didn't I didn't know those players were expected to miss out. Uh, Mateo Kovacic came off the bench. Americ Laporte, Josko Gvardiol made his debut. Cole Palmer got a run, and so did James McAtee. So good to see uh, Palmer and McAtee um, getting some early season minutes. Remains to be seen if either of them stay at the club for this season. I know there's loan interest in both. But City are very high on both of them and obviously on Rico Lewis, who started at left back. Um, It's a hell of a squad that they've got. It really is. Um, And when you add a quality midfielder like Kovacic, you add one of the better young defenders in world football in Josco Gvardiol. It's generally uh, a very good sign for your team. Um, Was quite surprised with how Burnley lined up in a very defensive 4-5-1 sorry 5-4-1 played Lyle Foster off a wing very very odd didn't was going to say didn't think much of them on the day you couldn't take much of it City were just on a different level to them City are on a different level to pretty much everybody so Burnley will have much better days. I still believe that they'll stay up and I'm going to do at the I might do it tomorrow I might do my to be changed prediction for the league table this season. Um, on to Saturday, early game, Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. Arsenal win 2-1. Eddie and Ketia put them one up on 26 minutes. Really good work from Martinelli. Fairly poor defending from 
Forrest, shot takes uh, a bit of a nick and, and ends up past Matt Turner and into the back of the net. Uh, then Bukayo Saka scores what will unquestionably be one of the goals of the season, an absolute rocket off his left foot from the edge of the box. A, a lesser version of the goal Salah scored against Chelsea a few years ago, but still a hell of a goal. Teo Awani pulled one back for Forrest late on, and Forrest very nearly did get a draw out of this game. Forrest had some really good chances in this game. Brennan Johnson should have put them one uh, put them one up in the first half. Was it one? Maybe it was one nil at the time. He got sent through one on one and just lifted his shot over Ramsdale, but unfortunately for him, over the bar. This was a Forest team missing a number of players as well. So questionable start for Arsenal. Uh, who lined up with Thomas Partey at right back and Julian Timber at left back, Ben White and Saliba in the middle. If Arsenal are going to do things like that, if Arteta is going to start getting arrogant like that, it is going to hurt them in the season. Uh, Kai Havertz was dreadful. Martin Odegaard didn't really influence the game, wasn't overly impressed with Rice. Just don't think that midfield has the right balance, but hard not to be impressed with Bikayo Saka and Martinelli is a huge talent as well. Uh, again, Forrest will have better days. Forrest still have work to do, though. They've still got players they need to get in and they need to get them in quickly. Thought Anthony Alanga looked good in his cameo off the bench and he created the goal for Awaniye. Uh, on to the 3 p.m. kickoffs Sheffield United 0, Crystal Palace 1. Sheffield United looked like a championship team. To be completely honest, they had some good moments. They played some good football, but they were completely outclassed by Forest and or by Palace rather. And if it wasn't for Wes Fotheringham, this would have been maybe three nil. Um, as it was, Odson Edward scored the only goal of the game from an Andre Ayew center with low cross into the box, and uh, Edward nice tidy finish. Um, Palace. Potentially facing a couple of tough weeks now in the market. Obviously, they need to get a couple more players in as things stand. Can't be, cannot be having Joel Ward as your right back from the season. The Joel Ward AU right side for them just needs to go away forever. I did like the look of Lerma and Decoury as a pair of wreckers in midfield. I just wonder, will Decoury still be there come deadline day? Um, and obviously then Michael Elise missed out through injury. Again, will he be there come deadline day? Apparently, Chelsea working diligently on trying to get him in as they continue to just give two fingers to the rest of the Premier League and ignore all P&S and FFP rules. Uh, A reckoning will come for them, but not yet. For Palace, it'll be unfortunate to lose Elise. Um, Bournemouth won, West Ham won. Jared Bone scored a worldie. Dom Solanke equalised. Decent game, fairly even game. Both sides played good football. I was I was impressed by the Bournemouth defence, which hadn't played together before. Max Aaron's on the right, Kirk is on the left, Zarbani and Sinisi in the middle. Now, Sinisi had to go off um, with a bit of a knock, but no, no, no Lloyd Kelly still to come back into that group as well. Uh, David Brooks, to me, was the best player on the on the pitch. Now, I, I did I saw maybe an hour of the game in total, kind of flicking back and forth, but I did stay in because David Brooks was playing 
And from what I saw now, maybe the after he went off, maybe things changed. But um, David Brooks was was excellent and, and drew a couple of good saves from Ariola. And it was good to see Ariola getting the nod. Wouldn't have been overly keen on the West Ham team when I saw it lined up, just because Paquette and a double pivot isn't isn't great. Again, he might be off. But they do have Alvarez in. Ward Prowse has been confirmed this morning. I don't like that one for them at all. Um, good to see Max Cornet getting some minutes, though. That was important. They desperately need a striker. They desperately need a striker. Now, the Maguire deal apparently is on the brink of falling apart because they're not willing to match his United wages, nor should they. He's on stupid money and he's not that good. But they desperately need to get a striker in as well. That needs to happen for them soon. We move on. Brighton 4, Luton Town 1. Solly March, who had the season of his life last season, starts this season in similar fashion, opens the scoring on 36 minutes. João Pedro, who was very, very impressive in this game, made it 2 on 71 minutes from the penalty spot. Luton did pull one back. Carlton Morris with the penalty on 81 minutes. I didn't think it was a penalty. I didn't think it was a penalty. Lewis Dunk slides in to try and block a cross. The cross goes behind him and hits his arm. For me, that's not a penalty. His arm is in a natural position. He cannot see the ball as it travels behind his back and does not know that his arm is interfering. That's not a penalty. I think that's a really, really bad call. Um, Simon Adingra, who <coughs> I've been saying is the one to watch for them, or one of them to watch this season for them along with Enciso and Ferguson and all the others they've got that are worth watching. But Adingra looks a real talent. So do keep an eye on him. He was great last season on his loan. 95th minute, Evan Ferguson makes it three, makes it four, uh, 4-1 with a proper strikers, poachers finish. Um, Brighton just completely outclassed him. Now I will say Brighton did look open at times. So with Caicedo gone, and from what I hear, they're actually very, very happy that he's gone. Not not because of the, the kid himself. By all accounts, Moises Caicedo was an absolute diamond. The agent apparently has been an absolute nightmare for Brighton to deal with. Now, Brighton will move quickly and swiftly, and I believe that they'll sign not one, but potentially two players in to replace Moises Caicedo. One likely to be Lucas Gornadot, who plays for RB Salzburg. The other is Carlos Beliba of Lille, um, Cameroonian midfielder. Very, very talented. Uh, They're also being linked with Rio Hitate from Celtic. I'm not sure they'll do that. But if they get Gornadot and and uh, believe it in, I think they'll be in in really good shape again. Cutting from Roberto De Zerbi when asked about Caicedo, he said he'd already forgotten about him. Uh, it's the type of thing I like to hear from managers. Um, moving on then. Everton nil, Fulham won. Um, don't really know where to start with this one to be honest this was uh, as boring a game as you could imagine really really boring 
And Everton will feel aggrieved because they had a goal ruled out that they believe should not have been ruled out. Um, I don't know what to make of it. Bernard Leno comes out, catches the cross. He collides with Tarkovsky. It's not Tarkovsky's fault. He's not doing anything. He's just standing there. He's allowed to exist. As Leno comes down, the ball comes out of his hands. Now, I don't know if the official ruling was that it hit Tarkovsky's arm, which is the only thing I could think of that could make it potentially disallowable. Other than that, I think it's a very bad call. Michael Keane scored, but obviously it was disallowed. Um, Jimenez hit the post. West uh, Everton hit the crossbar. Bobby D. Cordova Reed scored the only goal of the game to give Fulham the win. Notable that Mitrovic didn't start the game, but did come off the bench. So it sounds like they have managed to convince him that, you know, he should stay there. Now, Al-Halil apparently are still working on a deal for him, but they are also trying to sign Neymar. So I'm not really sure what will happen with Mitrovic. Fulham are desperate to keep him. I do know that. And it looks like they've won the battle to keep Willian as well. Uh, I was re- very impressed by Lukic in midfield for them. In the absence of Paulinho, I thought he did very well. And I was also obviously impressed by Amadou Onana, who, who genuinely looked like the best player on the pitch. Just looked a class above everybody else on the pitch. We move on to... Probably the most surprising scoreline of the weekend. Newcastle 5, Aston Villa 1. Um, Sandro Tonali got his Premier League career off to a great start on six minutes. Musa Diaby then got his Premier League career off to a great start on 11 minutes. Then Isak scored to make it 2-1 to Newcastle on 16 minutes. Now... At this point, the game was finely balanced. And at this point, it looked like a really good contest between two really good teams. 58 minutes, Isak scores 3-1. 77, Callum Wilson scores 4-1. 91, Harvey Barnes scores 5-1. The last three goals are entirely of Villa's own making. Entirely of Villa's own making. Um, Esri Konza had a, a bit of a nightmare, to be fair. Pau Torres had to come off the bench for his debut. Tyron Mings suffered an injury that looks like it's going to keep him out for a while. No words yet on if it's an ACL tear, but it is something that requires surgery. Um, they, were, uh, they weren't good defend, uh, at the back before Mings went off, and it got worse when Mings went off because Torres... And Konza just don't have the reps together. Um, They moved Konza to right back and brought Diego Carlos on, which was just a bit of an odd one as well. But I do think that could be the move long term. Because if you've got Konza, Carlos and Torres, plus then a left back, be it Moreno or be it Luca Dina who played in this game, you can flex into a back three and launch that left back forward and have a, a strong defensive base 
with Kamara and Luis sitting in front of them. So you defend with five and you attack with five, play a natural winger on the right and have Dina or whoever play as basically a winger down the left. I think that might be the play for them moving forward. Um, but it's something they're going to need to work on. It's something that's going to take some time. It will be interesting to see how Villa recover from that. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some more moves in the market now in the, in the coming week. Um, yesterday, we had Brentford 2, Tottenham 2 in Spurs' first game without Harry Kane. Uh, I thought Spurs played very well, played some lovely football. Christian Romero put them one up on 11 minutes from a James Madison free kick. Brentford equalised on 27, a Brian and Bomo penalty. Bearing in mind, Brentford also without Ivan Tony here. So both sides missing the number nine that we were used to seeing for them. Uh, and Bomo steps up and scores after, was it Wiesa got fouled? No, it wasn't Wiesa. It was, it was Jensen, wasn't it? Jensen had his heels clipped by Hyungman Son, Spurs' new captain. Uh, just an unfortunate kind of coming together. Was a penalty, though, and Bomo steps up and scores. Uh, Wiesa makes it 2-1 to Brentford uh, nine minutes later. His shot was fairly weak and probably not going in. Took a deflection off Mickey van der Ven and beat the keeper, uh, Vissario. But Emerson Royale equalized on the brink of half time, and that's how it stayed. It stayed 2-2. Both sides played good football, but there was something about Spurs. They just looked purposeful. Really, really purposeful. Now, there's still improvements we've made to that team. I think Pedro Poro, if he works on the defensive side, comes into that team for Emerson. And I think Papi Matarsar in for Skip is definitely the move going forward. So you'd have Matarsar and Basuma as that double pivot. Kulisevsky. Madison and Son as the three behind a striker, which for now is Richarlison. Obviously, Bentoncourt will come back, and so Bentoncourt Basuma is what I would expect. Romero got injured. That potentially is a huge blow. We'll wait and see how long he's out for, but there was just signs that the Romero-Van de Veen partnership might be a little better than I thought it was going to be, even though they're both quite front-footed. Um... The big game yesterday, obviously, was Chelsea versus Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool started really well and for 25 minutes tore Chelsea asunder and should have been should have been 3 nil up and they had a goal disallowed, so potentially 4 nil up. A very questionable VAR decision on that one. Uh, some other very questionable decisions in that early stage of the game. Uh, Enzo Fernandez fouls Diogo Jota. Jota says something. They square up and Fernandez flicks his forehead at him. And yet both of them get booked despite Jota not doing anything. Carney uh, Chukwemeka given a yellow card after leaping through the air and catching Ibrahima Kanate around the kind of chest bone, collarbone type of area with his foot. Um, completely out of control. I don't know how that's not a straight red card. Like if 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 Ibu Kanate is five ten or five eleven and not six three, it catches him square in the face. 
So what saved Carney Chukwemeka, what was definitely a red card, is that Ibu Kanate is tall. That, to me, is a disgraceful decision. Uh, Axel de Sassi equalised for Chelsea. Oh, sorry, Luis Diaz did put Liverpool one up on 18 minutes. Uh, great ball from Salah, good finish from Diaz. Axel de Sassi scored a fairly spawny-looking goal on 37 minutes. It kind of it hit his calf more than his foot and bounced in off Allison. Really, really poor goal for Liverpool to concede. Chelsea will take it. Chelsea then had a goal disallowed. Ben Chilwell offside. Um, it did look offside in the initial, and then obviously it was shown in the VAR, which was an easier one for them to look at. Um, what else took place? Uh, second half, Chelsea were dominant. Chelsea were the better team from 25 minutes on, without question. But Liverpool were denied a stonewall penalty. Absolute stonewall penalty. Corner by Zabozlai. I don't know if Diaz flicked it on or if he missed it, but Nicholas Jackson blatantly flapped his hand at the ball. Now, his hands were in close to, him, to his body, but he slapped at the ball with his hand. He made a definite gesture at the ball. It's a definite penalty. I don't care what the VAR has to say. That's a disgraceful decision. It should have been given. But Anthony Taylor, I mean, Jose Mourinho was right about him. He was he was genuinely right about him. Um, plenty of promising things from Chelsea yesterday, though. They played some good football. Enzo was great. Uh, Gallagher had a good game. De Sassi and Cole will look a bit ropey defensively and Liverpool didn't take advantage of Thiago Silva and allowed Thiago Silva to look very good. Reese James was very good going forward, awful defensively. Ben Chilwell was good going forward and apparently had no defensive uh, responsibilities. Raheem Sterling gave Andy Robertson an absolute roasting. Carney Chukwemeka had some decent touches but couldn't really get into the game. Nicholas Jackson worked very hard but a lot of huff and puff. A lot of fart, no poo. That's basically how you describe it. Um, all things considered, a draw was a fair result. But if Chelsea had won, on the balance of play, they would have deserved it. But based on the horrendous refereeing decisions, it would have been a massive aggrievement for us as Liverpool fans. Um, and that's it. So... Newcastle sit top of the table, Brighton second, City third, Arsenal fourth, Palace fifth, and Fulham sixth. They are the teams that won this weekend. Uh, Brentford, Tottenham, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Liverpool, and West Ham all got draws. That takes us to 12. Uh, Forest are 15th, Everton Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley and Villa make up the bottom. Sitting in 13th and 14th, ready to play tonight are Manchester United and Wolves. So that one is tonight at 8pm. I'm expecting a United win. I predicted a United win. Uh, They'll be without Dean Henderson. They'll be without Rasmus Hoysland. They'll be without Malasia. Uh, Looks like Martial is back. Ahmed Traore is out, and so are Tom Heaton and Kobe Manu. Uh, for Wolves, it is just a late fitness test over Matthias Cunha, but they're hopeful that he will be ready to go. Um, I really just want to see 
Gary O'Neill, stick Sasa on top of the gnome and pump long balls every single time he gets the opportunity. Just pump long balls, play whatever back four you're going to play. I'm, I'm going to guess at Semedo, Dawson, Kilman, Johnny Otto, Aitnuri, Hugo No Bueno, um, any of them at left back, whichever. Aitnuri is clearly the best of them, but we don't know what will happen yet. Uh, I would stick Lamina and Bubakar Traore as the two in midfield. I would play Nunes off one wing so I can drop into a tight three if need be. Play Neto off the other. Cunha and Sasa up front. And genuinely, I wouldn't pass the ball over the halfway line. I would lump it on top of Sasa every time and have Cunha, Neto and Nunes running beyond the United defence. And just go route one, route one, route one, route. Every time I got the opportunity from goal kicks, from the centre-backs have it, when the full-backs have it, changing up your angles, pumping it long, and just taking advantage of the fact that United have a centre-back who's five foot four. That's exactly what I would do. And since I've told you that now, I am going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll go through the news and the gossip. There's not a whole lot today. I, I don't feel like doing a long pod today, so... There'll be a decent amount of gossip. We've got three days or yeah, three days worth to get through. And there's there is some news. But uh we'll probably be out of here in, in well under the hour today. So I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So uh let's get into the news then. Um I think I mentioned earlier West Ham have a have completed the signing of James Ward-Prowse from Southampton. Uh, Fee in the region of £30 brings to an end a long, long association with Southampton for Ward-Prowse, who joined as an eight-year-old. Made 410 senior appearances for the club and obviously was captain for the last couple of years and led them to relegation in this past season. Uh, Manchester United fans are planning a protest tonight ahead of the game against Wolves, accusing the Glazer family who own the football club of holding Manchester United and its fans hostage. Not sure the meaning of that. Assume temper tantrum over not selling to the Saudi fella that nobody had heard of uh, before the sales process began, whose wealth was questionable at best. Um, I guess when you spend four hundred and twenty million in fourteen months, it just isn't enough, and you should do more. Now, look, the Glazers are crap owners, and I, I do agree with that. But you know, have some shame. Um, Al Halil have agreed a deal with Paris Saint Germain to buy Neymar for ninety million euros. Uh, he is thirty-one years of age. Apparently, he'll sign a two-year contract. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised if Kylian Mbappe now commits his long-term future to the club. Because by all accounts, Mbappe couldn't stand Neymar. And with Usman Dembele joining, who is close friends with Mbappe, don't be surprised if they start moving for those young 
elite French talents like they've talked about doing in the past. Now, they've missed some opportunities this month, or this summer rather, but they've moved Messi on. They are moving Neymar on. And I think we'll see maybe Mbappe decide that he wants to stay now um, because they can sign more of his friends. It is funny when you see a list of the players signed to Saudi clubs and they try and shoehorn in Jordan Henderson as if to, as if he's the same as Kante and Benzema and Cristiano and the rest. Um, but sure, every cart horse needs to be mentioned. Uh, Real Madrid are signing Kepa on a season-long loan. No option to buy. Um, Kepa was signed by Chelsea from Athletic Bilbao for £71 million. In 2018, to replace Thibaut Courtois, it has been an unmitigated disaster. And now he joins Real Madrid on loan to replace Thibaut Courtois, who's got a torn ACL. Um, Maybe being back in Spain and the Spanish style of play will suit him. It's just funny to me, though. Uh, Chelsea will now need to go and sign another goalkeeper, having already signed... Robert Sanchez, and uh, by the way, Robert Sanchez, zero saves in yesterday's game, (laughs) actually because Liverpool only took one shot, but they did also take another shot, which went in, but was disallowed. Um, But yeah, apparently Chelsea is going to continue to stick two fingers up at everybody and flagrantly ignore the rules that every other club is forced to abide by. Even Man City abide by them, mostly. Um... Yeah, Mings faces surgery on significant knee injury. Tar Mings has sustained a significant knee injury and will require surgery, a lengthy rehabilitation process. Uh, it does not say, does not say what the injury is. Uh, th- there was a feeling it might be an ACL. Emi Buendia obviously suffered an ACL tear in training during the week. So this is, a double blow for Chelsea in many ways. <clears throat> um, Eric Dyer remains part of the team. Um, he wasn't in the squad at the weekend, but Ange Postacoglu says he remains part of the team. Uh, interesting to see if anything, um, if anything comes up in the next couple of days with regards to a potential transfer for for Mr. Dyer, who I, I genuinely don't think is part of the team. Watch for West Ham to move for Eric Dyer if the Maguire deal falls apart, is, is my guess. Um, Everton have made a signing. They have signed Jack Harrison on loan from Leeds United. Um it originally seemed like they were going to sign him on a permanent deal. And then Aston Villa came in and then all of a sudden it became Harrison was joining on a loan deal. He has a relegation release clause, but seemingly a loan is, is what was decided upon. Um, good player, good addition for Everton. Makes more sense for them, I think, than for for Villa. But at Villa, he would have got to play European football. 
Uh, Everton are also trying to sign Wilfred Nonto, but that seems to fit an impasse. Uh, Nonto is refusing to play for Leeds for the moment, having himself a little temper tantrum. Uh, the club have opened disciplinary proceedings. He's doing himself no favours there. Leeds can just will just dig their heels in now, is my guess. Uh, Everton also interested in Portuguese striker Beto from Udinese. Um, no talk of them trying to fix that defence at all, which you know might might need some might need some attention, uh, Mister Dyche. I know you're a defensive coach, but you still do kind of need to you know put the work in on the transfer market to sort that defence. Um. The mind games have started ahead of the World Cup semi-finals. Obviously, England will be strong favourites ahead of the game against hosts Australia. But the English are now coming out and saying, well, all the pressure's on them. They're the hosts. Not so much. They lose. They're still icons. You lose. You lost to Australia. Uh, Spain versus England feels like the final that we'll get. Feels like it, but I wouldn't rule out the Aussies who knocked out France in a, in a shop. And I wouldn't rule out Sweden who, you know, they've knocked out the United States and Japan. It's a fairly decent effort from the, from the Swedish ladies. Um, that seems to be, seems to be all the news. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has told Harry Maguire, he must prove he is top class or go. Uh, well, he's 30 years of age and has never proven anything even resembling top class. So I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon, but we can always wait and see. Uh, I must have missed Max Kilman being named the new captain of Wolves, uh, but he has signed a new five-year contract with the club. Um ties him to the club now until 2028. So it's basically a two-year extension, but improved money through the five years. He's a very good centre-back. I'd be surprised if he's there for much more than another year. Honestly. Um, I I thought he might move this summer. I thought thought Villa might have gone for him. Um, If Agard were to leave West Ham, I think he'd make a, a good replacement there. I think there'll be, you know, there'll be a lot of clubs that will have an eye on him. His age is at twenty six. Maybe would count against them in terms of having the top clubs come in for him, but you never know. You never know. He's a he's a very good player. Uh, moving on then to the gossip. So here's Saturdays. Some of this is obviously going to be out of date, so I'm going to skip over it. So there's a load about Caicedo we can skip now. Chelsea are close to agreeing a deal for Romeo Lavia. Liverpool have agreed a 60 million deal for Lavia this morning, but remains to see what happens there. Um, Chelsea's move to bring in Tyler Adams is broken down. Genuinely, scumbag behaviour by Chelsea. Scumbag behaviour. Agreed a deal, agreed personal terms, did a medical, set to sign, pulled out of the deal, and then leaked that he'd failed his medical. Really, really bad act. Really bad act. Um, Manchester City are set to make another bid for Lucas Paqueta after having an initial 70 million turned down. 
West Ham want more than 90 million for the Brazilian. Joe Canseo is back on Barcelona's radar with the 29-year-old Portuguese international's agent trying to arrange a deal. Manchester United are considering a move for Amadou Onana. Aston Villa are waiting on an answer from Galatasaray for a deal for Nicolo Zaniolo. Um, Arsenal have set a £30 million price tag on Takahiro Tomiyasu. Really good player. That's a good price. I would I, I would have questions, though, about his injuries. I really would. Sunderland want 16-year-old homegrown forward Chris Rigg to remain a free spirit amid interest from Manchester United. I genuinely don't know what that means. Um, I genuinely don't know what that means. He's a superbly talented young player. I just don't know what that means. Um, I and I, I, I actually, do you know what? I don't care enough to to dig into it and see what it might mean. So let's just move on. Sheffield United have agreed a fifteen million deal for Gustavo Hammer of Coventry. That's a good signing. Be interested to see him in the Premier League. Uh, Everton are still in negotiations with Alex Awobi. They've been talking to him since the start of the summer, so that one's going very slow. Um, Liverpool are set to lose out to Chelsea for Lavia. Again, these things are kind of out of date. We don't know what the situation is with Lavia because Chelsea haven't made a bid for Lavia yet. Uh, Fulham, sorry, Liverpool owner John Henry was at the game yesterday. Uh, Denmark goalkeeper Casper Schmeichel is set to join Chelsea to replace... Kepa, don't know if that's true. Um, Brighton are interested in Tyler Adams. I, I don't think they are. Um, they still want Mohamed Kudus as well, obviously, and remains to see what happens with that one. Uh, Harry Maguire yet to agree personal terms. West Ham are set to table a bid for El Yawahi, who's a target for Chelsea. If he's smart, he goes to West Ham because he'll play every game. But I, I would have questions over his... Um, mentality and his his personality as well. Just read up about him if you get a chance. Uh, Bayern Munich are confident they will bank a fortune from the sale of replica shirts with Harry Kane's name on them. I, I would guess that is the case. Tottenham will smash their transfer record of £55 million to sign an A-list striker to replace Kane. Don't know that they will. think they might spread that money around. Um, more about it will be in a contract. Neymar... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Real Sociedad have ruled out the prospect of signing Donny van der Beek. So potentially our spoofy friend was wrong on that one. Uh, Al-Halil have revived their interest in Serbia's Alexander Mitrovic. I, I really want him to stay at Fulham, at least from the season. Um, the Ecuadorian Fred will have his medical at Chelsea as soon as tomorrow uh, today. Uh, so fair play to him. Um, Newcastle looking to secure a loan deal for either Kieran Tierney or Mark Kukurea. Kukurea is probably easier to get on loan. Tottenham are considering a move for Fowler and Balogun. No, they're not. Liverpool, Bayern Munich and PSG are interested in Ibrahim Sanger. Um, if they signed a top-class defensive midfielder and he was the backup, that'd be fine. Um other than that, no, thank you. PSG signed Ugarte early in the summer. I don't know why they bond him. 
Uh, Bayern Munich have rejected Manchester United's opening offer for Benjamin Pavard. Pavard is pushing to join the club and the United are expecting to make an improved bid. Uh, United are considering a move for Onana and are waiting on Everton's valuation. I reckon it's going to be about £70 million. Uh, Anthony Martial is set to hold talks with Manchester United. West Ham are interested in signing the 27-year-old. Ajax are set to sign Chuba Akpom from Middlesbrough for £10 million. That's an interesting one. Kyle Walker will turn down a move to Bayern Munich that never actually, actually existed and sign the new contract that he has um, managed to manoeuvre Manchester City into using social media influencers to lie for him while his agent did this, not not Kyle himself. Um, but yeah, that's basically what's happened there. Uh, Manchester City will consider Michael Elise if they fail to sign Lucas Paqueta. I'd love to see Elise at, at City would be sensational, terrifying, but sensational. Uh, Liverpool are expected to match Chelsea's bid for Lavia. Chelsea haven't actually made a bid for Lavia. They've made a proposal. Um, Juventus are in discussions with Chelsea over Romelu Lukaku. I believe that's not the case anymore. And Frankie de Jong wants to stay at Barcelona for life despite persistent links with Manchester United because why on earth would he want to trade sunny Barcelona for rainy old Salford? And that is it, folks. That's what I have for today. Thank you as always. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.